All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Free midweek fun fact. Oh, what have I done to deserve that? Yeah, look, nothing. The longer I think about it, I should have saved this. If you're in a room with 22 other people, uh-huh. there's a 50% chance two of the group have the same birthday. And then, if you're in a room of 38 people, not including you, so 39 in total, that chance shoots up to 90%. 90% chance that two of you have the same birthday. Wait, wait. Don't ask me how. If you're in a room with 38 other people, yeah. there's a 90% chance that two of the people in that room will share a birthday. hmm Nah. It's from a BBC article. Oh, if it's from the BBC. The reason that this was in a BBC article is because a journalist noticed there were a lot of the FIFA Women's World Cup players that had the same birthday. Ah. And they wanted to know why that was. So there were 32 teams in the FIFA Women's World Cup. Each team had 23 players. And then just over half, so 17 of those 32 teams, had at least two players with the same birthday. No, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. If someone who does calculus or whatever branch of mathematics uh, this falls into knows about this and can explain it to us, please do get in touch. It did make my brain hurt. Let's just move past this and say kia ora. This (laughs) is News of All. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Here's something you don't hear every day. Ukraine's Ministry of Defence has posted a special thank you video to New Zealand on social media. So what's their MO? Also, we're finding out what's cheaper, meal kits, just meat and veggie boxes, or the good old, or as it might be not so good these days, supermarket. Simon Bridges joins us for a chat about his recent trip to India and shares his thoughts about trade with what will probably be the next economic superpower. And lastly, the dog that ran away from home for one night and one night only. And that is all I'm going to say on this one. You're going to have to listen to find out what on earth I am rabbiting on about. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Emma, do you follow many Ukraine-related Twitter X accounts, Insta accounts, stuff like that? I certainly follow the news about Ukraine, and there's been some developments, of course, in the last couple of days, with North Korea's leader planning to meet the Russian president to talk about helping with weapons for the war against Ukraine, and Ukraine itself talking about punching through key Russian front lines. So always plenty to read and uh, learn about, of course. Yes, there certainly is. But along with the military offensive... Ukraine is running a very powerful charm offensive just now that includes, it seems, sending out tailored tweets or X messages to countries that have provided some sort of support during the invasion. And it's now New Zealand's turn, and incredibly well targeted it is too, with crowded house music in the background, historic shots of Sir Edmund Hillary, and a quick segment from Flight of the Concords among recent military aid related images. So, to gauge how easy this might be and what they're trying to achieve with this, I suppose. We've turned for a bit of analysis to Bodo Lang, a marketing professor from Massey University. Kia ora, great to have you on. Kia ora. Hi, guys. How impressed were you by this? Because i got to say, it, kinda, it tugged at my heartstrings a wee bit. 
It absolutely did. I was really surprised to see it. Um, I had not really thought about using marketing communication and then particularly online communication like Twitter, uh, or it's now called X, of course, in spreading information about the war effort. And it made me think of post-World War II kind of thing, propaganda, super innovative um, and I think really well executed. What do you reckon the MO behind it is? I think there's a... If we go straight back to the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is to ideally sustain support uh, and maybe even build on support, i.e. increase support. So maybe get, you know, get more more financial aid, more material aid, more troops helping with training and so forth. That's the ultimate aim. And so then the question is, how do you do that? You achieve that by getting political support. How do you get political support? Well, you make sure that the population is behind the cause. And so this this campaign really has two target markets. The first one is politicians, because they have basically their hands on those big wallets. And then the other ones are consumers or citizens, just like the three of us. And, mm. you know, if we're behind this course and, you know, they run a survey, we say, yes, we're still behind this. Well, that makes it easier for politicians to say, you know what, let's give them another aid package, basically. If we look at the specific sort of images um, and sounds that they use here, you know, it's quite it's quite sophisticated choice of New Zealand Kiwiana, I suppose, eh? You know, like you've got your Bruce McLaren, Sir Evan Tillery, there's Flight of the Concords. What about another exclamation mark? I, I don't think that's necessary. Not necessary, no. This is the kind of thing that if you get it wrong, it can come off as kind of trite or, or glib. Um, but but they, they seem to have struck the balance pretty nicely here, would you say? Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic effort. If you think about it, they could have done so many different types of appeals. They could have used, you know, hard information about, you know, how many people have died and how many children were killed. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of gruesome statistics they could have shown us. They didn't do any of this. All they did is they evoked emotion, and two emotions in particular. And the first one is pride, for us, of course. And the second one is, you know, gratefulness. They're grateful to us, and that makes us even a little bit more proud, you know. And so I think it's really well executed. I think what they've done so well is, as you said, they've used these cultural icons, you know, and there was there was something there for everyone, you know, for each age category, there was something there to relate to. Vare Lang, thank you so much for your time. Lovely to chat to you. My pleasure. We've got the tale of a dog running away from home for the night, and without giving too much away, because the story needs its time in the spotlight later on, we want to know if you've ever run away from home or snuck out for an event. Something big. Look, I'm not that interested in your secret romantic rendezvous or hangouts under a bridge. Unless they're great yarns, of course. But you know what to do. Get in touch. You can find us on TikTok or Insta. Search Newsable NZ. And you also know how much we love an email. We're at newsableatstuff.co.nz. Here's a cost of living question many of us have probably asked ourselves. Uh, what's cheaper, meal kit boxes or the supermarket? Um, I don't know, but I would like to know. Well, I'm going to not answer that question. Oh. Instead, I'm going to complicate it further uh, because there is another option now, and that is uh, ingredient boxes, so like boxes of meat only or boxes of fruit and vegetables. So no strict recipe cards to follow here, just the produce itself. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna guess the ingredient boxes are the cheaper option, but that, I'm just basing that entirely off instinct. I've got no actual clue. But you know who does have a clue? Stuff's Money Editor. 
Susan Edmonds, and she's here right now to give us the more thought out and worked out answer. Kia ora. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? <laughs> the so, non-vibes based <laughs> answer, I like that. Meal kits versus supermarket versus these ingredient produce boxes. Who is offering us the cheapest food? Well, that's, that's an interesting one. I know that my food bag says that there's been a lot of interest in its bargain box lately. Mm. And mm. when we did some research, we did find that that was actually pretty competitive with going to the supermarket. The kind of more gourmet options are more expensive than doing your own shopping. But these meal kits are actually like a reasonably good deal. Uh, we had a look because my friends were group chatting a bit, going like, have you tried this box or not this one? And I said, we should do a story. So that's what we did. And that's how journalism happens. <laughs> Basically. Behind the veil. <laughs> yeah. what, what are the, Susan, what are the economics behind this? How are some brands able to give us cheaper prices than, than others in this kind of space? I'm guessing it's a bulk buying thing or a, a quality of produce kind of thing, perceived quality of produce. I think, uh, yeah, we looked at meat kits and some veggie options. And I think it is scale and also, yeah, the quality thing. Like it's not quality thing so much for meats, but like with wonky box, that is quite cheap. Mm. But yeah, you're getting stuff that maybe the supermarkets wouldn't take. I know when we had to go at Wonky Box, the biggest issue I had was that I don't know what to do with a whole cauliflower every week. So I'd take. <laughs> but we found that online meats.co.nz was actually really cheap. You could get a family box, which was $75, and it worked out about $11.50 a kilogram. Mm. You mentioned the cauliflower, because this is my thing. How am I going to get the best bang for buck? Because like you say, if you get these veggie or protein boxes, you're probably going to have to buy additional things or, um, you know, add more to them. But then there's shipping as well. And then, of course, if you're trying to shop around supermarkets for the best deal, that's petrol. For me, that is the biggest problem with getting the ingredients like this, is that then you have to have that kind of mental load of how am I going to make a meal? What else do I need? Mm. And bringing it all together. Whereas like with bargain box, which I personally get for my family, it's not a lot more expensive than the supermarket and it's all just there and it's just the amount that I need. Great. That's actually worth something. <laughs> Money turns to me. And Susan Edmonds, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. We're chatting to Simon Bridges straight after this about India, but if you haven't already, make sure you do give us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform and if you're feeling extra fancy, you can leave us a review as well. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. India is the world's largest democracy and is now actually the most populous country in the world. It's just overtaken China. And it's also being picked to rise to the top economically, to become one of the world's real economic powerhouses. It's already overtaken the UK to become the world's fifth biggest economy. And Simon Bridges has just returned from a trip to India as chief executive of the Auckland Business Chamber and he's here to chat. Kia ora, Simon. Hey, kia ora, guys. Good to be with you. Simon, how quickly is India charging ahead and what are your thoughts about its future global position? Oh, very quickly. Think about this. Something like half of its population 
is 25 and under, right? Mm -hmm. So it is just young. And you said it yourself, look, it's moved to fifth economically, but by 2030, it's meant to be, I think, on, on current forecasts, third. One other stat, I won't bamboozle you too much, <laughs> but um, Uttar Pradesh, uh, a, a state in India, something like 265 million people, mm. right? So so you've got 28 states. Just that one would, I think I'm right to say, be the fifth biggest country in the world, right? So it is, it is size and scale like we can't uh, imagine. And actually, while I'm on a roll, I said I did the last thing, but one more thing. I've been there a couple of times. It feels more confident than I've ever seen it. Just a very confident sense of itself, that things are going well, that it is its time. I mean, you can only infer so much about a country in, in, in a relatively short trip, but tell us a bit about the the vibe in India, the the, the sense of self, I suppose, and, and India's place in the world. We are in the heart of kind of New Delhi and fancy hotels. I wouldn't want to say, you know, we went to the top and the bottom of mm. India, but I can tell you about New Delhi, for example, is that um, right at the moment, and, and we were there the week before, it's got the G20, so Biden, if he's not there, is just about to be, and other world leaders um, are descending on it. So it's very clean. Mm. It's looking great. I mean, the roundabouts in the gardens, they're better than anything I've seen in New Zealand. You know, it, it, it just has a real sense of confidence. For a lot of people, maybe our mums and dads, there's this view of India from 40 years ago, right? But, but it is increasingly in technology, in pharmaceuticals, in a raft of areas, you know, right at the cutting edge. Let's talk about New Zealand's relationship with India. Do you see it becoming our new China when it comes to trade? That's kind of the hope, right? I mean, I think that's what everyone would... We, we don't say it like that because, you know, number one, maybe that feels a bit negative around China and China is still far and away our biggest trading partner. But the sense is there that, you know, um, this this could be this great hedge, particularly right at this minute when we look at China, we know it's got economic problems. I'd be more positive than that, though. China stacks up on its own terms. Um, but let's also be just a little bit realistic about it. Let's put this in this context. At the moment, New Zealand and India do about a billion dollars in two-way trade, right? So what we sell them in goods and services and what they sell us, look, it's around a billion dollars. China's some 40 times mm. that, right? So th there's the sense that even though we've known each other for a very long time, we're celebrating 100 years of going to each other's country for sports the economic relationship's still very much underdone. I think the other thing that we know, and that's why so many of us did go from business this time, is we're so small, we're the ones increasingly that have to establish the relationship and our relevance. They don't need us really. All the running's got to be on our side. It's definitely one to keep an eye on, and thanks very much for chatting to us about it today. Hey, great to talk to you guys. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.
Imogen, being as you are a D-Lo metalhead, you will, of course, be familiar with the seminal 1984 Metallica track For Whom the Bell Tolls from their sophomore album Ride the Lightning. Oh, it's very guess. funny you should mention that because I'm actually considering it as my walking down the aisle song at my wedding. <laughs> Classic, all-time fave, really. Can't get it out of my head. Like it would work really well with, with your aesthetic <laughs> and vibe, I think. Um well, I mentioned this because we now have an answer to the implicit question in the title of that song. For whom does the bell toll? Well, it tolls for Storm. What, what do you mean? A storm? <laughs> storm is a living creature. Uh, she is an intrepid German shepherd who lives in Los Angeles. Uh, and Storm was recently photographed sitting, sitting, like properly sitting like a human uh, in a plastic seat surrounded by humans absolutely rocking out at a recent Metallica gig. The band themselves tweeted an image of Storm. I have just sent it to you. Can you please describe it? Oh, gosh, she's, she's smiling. I can see that she's smiling. <laughs> oh, who is she there with? How did she get in? She's actually sitting, right? Like, actually. You've got everyone needs to Google Storm Metallica concert. She is smiling. Smiling. She's having a great a baby. time. So, like, what? Was she there with someone? Was it? Was she had a service dog? Well, this actually, this led to a bit of an outcry online because people were like, oh my God, someone abandoned their dog at a Metallica concert. But um, no, as it turns out, Storm actually snuck out of her home to go to this gig. Uh, and Metallica themselves have confirmed that she did indeed return to her loving family the next day. Storm wasn't there with anybody. She was there because she absolutely bloody loves a bit of Metallica and uh, as you can tell by that photo she had the time of her life just out of interest are, are there any bands that you think Bean would sneak out of your house to go and see is Bean a Swifty? Bean would be a Swifty you know what I reckon Bean would be a Warriors fan so he'd sneak out <laughs> to make sure he got his up the wires in <laughs> Right, good thing you live in Wellington. What about McNulty? Well, McNulty is a skittish cat, so music terrifies her um, as to events of all all sorts. Oh. Yeah, that's all I was saying on that one. I feel like maybe she should be a classical music fan. But of course, we want to know if you've snuck out to an event. We want to know if you snuck out to a Metallica gig, for example. Get in touch. We're on Instagram at NewsableNZ. You can also email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz. For now, that's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. This week on The Girls Uninterrupted. I'm not having a go. I'm just saying. No, you saying can. You can. But I would never put them on my feet. <laughs> it is a crossbone. So it's 100% yeah. a crossbone. And you are the biggest against Crocs. I actually okay. really like it. I just think that you need to now say Crocs are cool. No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> it's giving hypocrisy. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. The Girls Uninterrupted is proudly brought to you by our mates at Unichem and Life Pharmacy.